first of all, you, everybody listening, will not lose your job to AI. Artists, doctor, whatever. You're not going to lose your job to AI. You might lose your job description. The, the tasks that you do will probably shift over time. But AI is not taking jobs away. They're just changing jobs for people. Ladies and gentlemen, today is a good day. Uh, and actually, any day is a good day where you can uh, feel the receiving of wisdom from one man named Kevin Kelly. Kevin is our guest today. And if you are um, a tech geek or you like Wired Magazine or uh, you've been building community for a long time, you know the name Kevin Kelly. Uh, he is a legend who started and was the original kickoff editor for Wired Magazine. Uh, he's written at length the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, among dozens of others, numerous books, What Technology Wants, The Inevitable, and a new book that we talk about today called Excellent Advice for Living, subhead, Wisdom I Wish I'd Known Earlier. It is a very cool conversation, and we, we focus on a specific few topics, um, the one of which I really wanted to go deep with Kevin, and we ended up doing so, is around AI, artificial intelligence, uh, specifically the role that AI has in and around creativity. Um, and we have good, we cover a lot of ground here, specifically debunking uh, a lot of the fears that are being sort of misguided or uh, that run amok in pop culture and our media. Kevin talks about how to train and use AIs, um, and he's very specific about AIs. Um, it's a plural, like machines, um, and that's how he thinks about it. We talk about the implications of art, um, how art in the future will look like as AI, as the role that AIs play in um, in the future of creativity. It's a fascinating episode. We also cover a bunch of other stuff, and you know, one of which Kevin Kelly's uh, One Thousand True Fans essay. If you're familiar with that, or you're not, you 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 have to go check it out if you're not familiar with it. Essentially, it was one of the first proposals in the on the internet that said, hey, look, in the future, you're going to have direct relationships with your fans. You're going to be able to have a relationship with them that is not moderated or mediated by some middle person taking a chunk. You can, in the future, a thousand true fans will be able to generate a living and a life for, for artists. So super groundbreaking. It's still available. We do talk about that a little bit. But again, so much of our conversation today with Kevin Kelly is focused on the role that AI plays in creativity. And what you what you're gonna get from this overall this experience day in the show is it's it's like sitting down with a ultra wise person. This is in part why his his book Excellent Advice for Living is being so well received. It's an absolutely beautiful book and very very valuable. All these little aphorisms and sayings. Again, wisdom I'd wish I'd known earlier. Uh, that book by Kevin Kelly. And today's episode, enjoy it. It's it's just an absolute treat to talk with someone who's so smart on this stuff. And to me, I'm I'm late to the game in having a really thoughtful guest around AI. I've been talking about it. Chris Gerard and I, we, we co-hosted an episode around AI. This is from someone who really, really knows their stuff. So I'm going to get out of the way. Yours truly and the one and only Kevin Kelly. Mr. Kevin Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest on the show again. Welcome back. It's a real pleasure to be here. I just enjoyed our last conversations centuries ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, feels like it was, but I guess it was some yeah. seven, seven years ago, which feels like a lifetime. Uh, well, congratulations on all you've been working on. And we just 
had the the good fortune of catching up for a few minutes before we hit record, as I often confess to our listeners. Uh, but for the handful of people who are not aware of your blistering stardom, would you please just, I guess, welcome yourself to the show by telling a little bit about who you are, what you're interested in, and uh, and then we'll get into some of your most recent work that I'm very excited to share with the listeners. Well, thank you so much. I um, about probably best known for being one of the co-founders of Wired Magazine. People who are a lot older may recognize my name from the whole earth catalog era. Um, and um, the most popular thing I've ever written is a thousand true fans, which was a theoretical thing that turned out to be very helpful to many people later on as it, um, as the tool developed to allow people to, um, kind of, uh, pioneer their own little, um, way into the world with a different model for success. And, um, these days I'm still writing occasionally for Wired about the avant-garde technical stuff like, uh, these days AI, which I'm a big booster and a big fan of. I do a little bit of art every day, which I post and share. And, um, I hope when I grow up, I can become a YouTube star. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, obviously if, if, um, our audience are, again, I'm guessing 90 plus percent are aware of you and your work, but even just those handful of, um, identifiers that you shared with us around creating art every day. Obviously, Wired Magazine, technology, AI, these are all areas that our community cares a lot about, which is makes it even more obvious why one have you as a guest, uh, sure. not to mention the least of which your new book, uh, Excellent Advice for Living, Wisdom I Wish I'd Known Earlier. Uh, we will definitely touch on that. There's a lot of wisdom in, in that book for real. And just a quick quote from Dan Pink, who's also a friend and, and multiple time guest on the show. Dan says, you don't find at least 17 golden nuggets of advice from Kevin's list, you're not awake. <laughs> so that should set us up for a primer. Um, I'm curious, uh, interested in starting with AI because the, our audience of listeners, how whenever now 13 years into the show, they identify as creators, as entrepreneurs. Um, so from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I'm sure there's a lot of interest in, or I know for a fact from communicating with our listeners and the audience that there's a lot of interest in AI what to be excited about, what to be afraid of. Um, and it's from multiple sides of the table, right? Or I guess both sides of the same table, which are, hey, there. this is going to be able to radically improve our lives. And there's an interest from the entrepreneurial community for, you know, for, wow, how, how did this, you know, how was this created? But then there's the, the, the side, which is, I don't know what think about this thing because everyone's talking about it i hear the words you know gpt chat jip you know and what numbers and there's a new one coming out and, and it's all happening so fast so do us the grand favor of setting the table around this ai conversation so um you're right it's it's uh, i would say one thing despite all the talk i think AIs, and I insist on using the plural, are under hype in the long term. The current version of things are probably overhyped in terms of what they will affect in the ways they'll affect us. 
But for the long term, this is this is the major thing. And um, I use the word plural because there will be many, many varieties and types of them in the same way that we could say, what do you feel about machines? <laughs> it's like, well, machines, I like some of them are handy, some like, you know, it's like, yeah, machines. There are a lot of them. So um, AIs are going to be engineered in the same way to specialize to do different things. And there was some that will be kind of a general one, like a Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army knife is handy because it does lots of things okay. Yeah. But it doesn't compare it to the specialized pliers or scissors if, if you needed them. And the same with AIs. There will be some general purpose ones, but they will not really be um, used as much as ones that are specialized. So, um, so that I would say, um, that's one thing. And then the second thing is we have these new, um, called generative AIs, which are generating the generating images, photographs, text, uh, answers, and, um, they all kind of work on the same basic thing of pattern recognition. So they're recognizing patterns and then they're auto completing. They're saying based on what you've given me so far. I'm going to guess at where this would go. I would, I'm going to finish the answer. I'm going to add, I'm just going to keep going, fill it in, autocomplete in a certain curious way. So you give some prompts to an AI image generator and it's sort of like saying, it's like completing the, the rest of the sentence with images. And um, the, I think the best stance for people to have right now for these image generators at the level that they are, is think of them as I call them UPIs, Universal Personal Intern. They're intern. They'll do all kinds of amazing things. The, 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 the way I find them really useful is like a blank page and like the first cut of something, the first draft. Give me some ideas about this. Give me a version about that. Give me the first answer. Give me a first draft. Um, and then you start to work with it. And so that's the one of the major surprises for, for, for us is that it's very rare that the initial answer, the initial image is, is useful enough to, to be used for whatever it is you're trying to do. You have to kind of work with it and to release what the intern does unchanged is sort of embarrassing because it's like the intern's work. It just, it's not that good. So you have to check their work too. It may not be up to snuff. So there is this way in which they're working together with your assistant, with your co-pilot, with your intern, and you are um, together generating something, and the intern can come in at all different levels. Lots of people use it to check their work, to look for weaknesses after you've made something. So there, there is an idea that you're kind of a team, and um, it, you know, you don't want to. You're, it's not a good idea to release it um, as just what the intern does because it's not going to be good enough. They're, they're, they, they tend to do kind of a wisdom of the crowd, middle of the road thing, even when they're doing um, art. And um, you have to kind of get them and work with them to, to do better than the average. <laughs> you've got you've to have some input. You've got to say, you know, that's not, that's not good enough. You've got to kind of go in here or, have you thought about, you know, and, and they're, and they're kind of having crazy weird ideas that no human would make. And that's really great because that helps us think differently. So the UPI, universal personal intern, everybody has a personal navigator, the car right now sitting next to them. It's the GPS. We have personal librarians. 
Google search, it will search the world for us. And now we have personal intern. Aha. That is the best terminology and the best description we've had to date on this show. Uh, I've fumbled through a few, uh, and another friend of mine was more of a co-host with a conversation. One of the things that we touched on was the fact that our, you know, is AI going to replace the artist and, or is it going to be better than the artist? And where we landed was an artist plus AI is going to be better than just the artist or the AI alone. Yeah, they, yeah, that's that. Sorry, I meant to say that that, that other piece of. And, and that stance of the centaur, which you'd call centaur, is the stance we're finding out not just in art, but also in doctoring health. So mm. the a doctor AI alone is not good enough, dependable, enough, reliable. Um, but the doctor plus AI is much better than just a doctor. So. And just the, and just the AI, right? So right. And AI. Now, however, just the AI alone is better than no doctor. Uh, so in is... many, many places of the world where there are no doctors, the AI is better than no doctor, even though it's not the best. Got it. And um, that I would also say that's true about AI. So there's, there's a role for a completely AI-generated art. Mm -hmm. um, most of that art is going to where there is no art right now. It's where the, it's the blank page. That's why it's not replacing it's, it's supplementing because we're we're using it, like my assistant's using it. She illustrates her dreams every night. Wow. Used to wake up in one night, write down her dream in a little paragraph and stuff, and share it. And now she uses the AI to illustrate the dream, which is fabulous. Because there there was no images there before, so she's not replacing any artists. It's it's filling in the blank pages in our world, adding it to newsletters, adding it to PowerPoint. It's all the places where there was no human-generated art, or now there's going to be art made by AI. It's not as good as sure. the human plus AI, but again, it's better than no. It's better than no art. <laughs> this is fascinating to me for on so many levels as a, as a creator, as a lifelong photographer, as an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm I've shared with you uh, prior to recording that I'm working on another book, and one of the things that I'm writing about uh, experimentally is. Um, well, I just, I'll, I'll tell you the prompt that I fed into uh, GPT, which was write a two to three page paper in a positive sentiment about why community and connection are useful traits for both businesses and personal growth slash development, especially as contrasted to competition. Cite historical examples and use popular culture references in your work. So that was the, 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 right, right. Prompt, the prompt that I fit in there. And as you just, I'm basically supporting how you've articulated that it's a great first draft. Right. It went in there and generated, one of the things that I'm really trying to do in this book and in previous books is have a really wide range of examples, right. culturally relevant and diverse. And, right, right, right. and it was so helpful. I mean, it pulled Harry Potter. It uh -huh. went to the Harlem Renaissance in the 1920s when black artists and intellectuals came together to create a vibrant cultural movement in New York City. Uh -huh. These are things that w it was so helpful to have a dart on the board to then yeah. building around. So if I've, I'm using that as an example, you shared with us how your assistant uh, is using this to, to document her dreams. Right. What ways, very tactically, if you're willing to share, are you using these AIs? So, um, 
I use it for all kinds of little things. Um, like just as you're suggesting, kind of like a blank page. For me, that first draft is always a hard. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and 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 just to organize things. Um, to to do as you as you're doing is like, um, you know, what are the bullet points that we're going to cover? And I can either give it a prompt, or you can actually feed in some documents and have them summarize it. Um, and then I'll, I'll work with it. Sometimes you, you do want like an example. Give me some examples of of this that you wouldn't even think of. And I'll use maybe one of them and I'll modify one of them. Yeah. Um, and then um, um, sometimes also if I use it for research, um, it's really good at summarizing a, a lot of research, like um, even how to do things and putting it in order. Like, you know, if you want to, um, oh, I was researching something about the best glues to glue Lego together, something like that, and, or the steps in which to do it. And, and it would just sort of, I could search through the website, but I'm kind of like clicking off stuff. There's weird things coming in. There's, I have to kind of aggregate it together in, into my answer and the chat will just put it all together right away. So like the intern thing. is like, yeah, here's, here's intern. Go find me this thing. Give me the answer. I don't want, you know, it's just, and then, and here's something new that just, a new trick that I learned for the tech, the chat stuff. Um, when you're trying to get some reliable research, um, ask your chat to, to give you the experts in that domain. If who are the experts in this? And then the second thing now they give him, give it your question and say, give me the reply in the voice of those experts. And what it does is it elevates that wow. from just kind of what everybody knows to the real stuff. Right. That's, that's the, that's the great trick is, um, who are the experts in here? And then write my answer in the voice of the expert. Give me the expert's opinion, basically, rather than what everybody knows. So, um, and you know, and there are other tricks in the image generating, um, the, um, world and, and, you know, and part of it is, is, um, the founder of Midjourney told me something really interesting. He said that, um, what he noticed was that older people were having a, were getting better results from the image generator than they were really young. Mm. Why is that? Not what I would expect. Why is that? Here's what it is. Um, the older people had a much better sense of like art history and all the possibilities of, of art in the past and who's who. And they could, it was a broader reference. Mm. And the young, they had, you know, they had art station, you know, in the style of art station, <laughs> or, or you know, whatever. But like the the experience, your photographer could say, you know, you know, give me something in the style of um, of uh, you know Diane Arbus, right, or or whatever. They, they were just more interesting in their references because they had a lot more experience to and a brain to to the prop. That's fascinating that there's that there really is an art to the prompting itself. That there's sort of this meta layer to right. the, the the set of AIs. Right. You know, it, it, it's because I, I do this almost almost every night. And and here's the thing that's really odd to me: making these images, even when they're kind of artistic, feels more like photography to me than painting. And that's that mm-hmm. I am 
hunting for thing. I am in this latent space and I'm going through. It's like, oh, 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 like, oh, this area is kind of promising. I'm going to hang out here and kind of explore this space like you would a photographer. You're going in, it's like, okay, this, this moment, there's something here that I'm going to dwell in and hunt and stalk and, and kind of. So, so for me, photography is closer to things that I find rather than I make. You know, I mean, there is a kind of photography where you were in a studio and you were kind of making it out of hole. Yep. but you're still kind of searching for it. And, and there's this combination of kind of making and hunting that this AI exploration reminds me of very much. And, 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 and you can kind of find areas where there's a lot of promise. And then there's other times where it's like, no, 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 there's nothing there. You know, I did something and then, uh, this is not worth, this is not worth exploring here. There's nothing that's going to show up, but over here, Ooh, yeah, I want to hang out. Oh, just go up the hill a little bit over there. Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> well, given that this your new book is around advice, uh, right. we'll, we'll, we'll get to the to um, specifically to the title and whatnot. Uh, we'll revisit that. And the story behind it, uh, I would like to introduce now, which is on your 65th birthday, you wanted to write down a bunch of things to pass on to a younger generation, and so you've collected all these ideas. But since we're on the topic of advice with you here on the show. And we're talking about AI. I would love for you to give some advice to our listeners, our watchers, listeners who, you know, you know, cover the gamut. If they're probably the range of skeptics to interested to curious, but won't admit it. Like, how ought the creators and entrepreneurs who are listening? How can you, you know, help them understand? Give them some advice on how to embrace, sure, you know, what to do with these machines. So, so. I would say, first of all, just to kind of ease fears, is that you, everybody listening, will not lose your job to AI. Artist, diver, whatever. You're not going to lose your job to AI. You might lose your job description. Mm. The, the tasks that you do will probably shift over time. Um, but AI is not taking jobs away. They're just changing jobs for people, including people who make images. And so... Um, uh, as you know, I mean, they're already building in the stuff into Photoshop and everything else. It's just going to become another tool and you'll be able to use as much of it as you want or don't want. There is, there is the whole movement of banning AI art from certain sites and that's fine. There'll be other versions of it where they'll have lots of AI art and people will have a choice about whether they just want to see things, you know, handmade, the old style, like making a basket from hand. And that's fine. But I suspect that most of the, the art will have some, just like Photoshop. We've been like banning Photoshop in the beginning, which there was attempts to. Yeah. And, um, and, and labeling is, is an issue, and that should be something. Um, and we don't really care about it in the art world, but we do care about news, whether things are being modified. And that's totally legitimate. And there should be very, very strict and, what's the word I want, communicable and transparent policies about, about that. Um, I don't think that applies to art, but I think that applies to news. I meaning the 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 um, the disclosure, and um, uh, and then there's the issue of the training sets, which is uh, another thing that artists have gotten worked up. And and there, that's much more complicated. Um, although I think there will be people who will generate, um, and they'll be labeled ethical, but they'll be generate training sets where the people who are being trained are opting in. 
and give you permission. And who knows whether they get paid or not, because I don't see there's going to be much revenue flowing through this. But they'll have uh, they'll have opt-in training sets. And in fact, a lot of people are already finding that they want to train their on their own work. Bingo. And um, they'll have they'll have that ability. And it's just like okay, um, make more photographs like Chase. Okay. That I'm, you know, you're, 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 you're doing it like more photographs than I would take. And so, um, or even with, you know, I give them something and say, make this more like me, <laughs> make it like my best. And so, um, that's going to be a thing too. And, um, then there'll be just, you know, there'll be continue to be ones trained on everything that humans do. And, um, uh, there are ways, attempts right now to see if you can unravel the major influences of a particular image. I don't think technically this is difficult to do. I don't think it's going to do, but it still remains to be seen whether that's actually useful to anybody. Um, and it is very difficult. If you just think yourself, if you just take an image, you, you obviously you and I have been influenced by other works and we're going to take an image. It's like, okay, now we have to unravel all the influences in our own lives on that image it's like how could you do that yeah yeah i mean even if we could even if we could it would just look totally bizarre and um um you know um we're not paying our influencers right now we're even crediting them because it's just so hard to unravel. so i think that that is um maybe possible but i'm not sure it's gonna be useful and then finally there's the copyright thing yep it's totally ludicrous that they're not copyrightable at the moment because, again, we'll be generating right now today, there's 30 million of these images generated every day. 30 million brand new images never seen before and probably would never be seen again because they're so hard to find again. Um, and to say that they can't be copyrighted, who owns them? I mean, it's like, can anybody run away and steal one and use it? So, so that's just not going to be um, sustainable. They're, they're, they're going to have to invent some version of something. And I was suggesting that instead of thinking, and copies are just not the right framing for it, I said we might need a new right called right of reference, right of um, something or other. So, so, so we might want to have other kinds and varieties of intellectual property that we might need to invent to apply to these rather than using the true ones. Yeah, they're just insufficient. Right. Radically insufficient. So, so just, I would say in general then that for your listeners is to try this. So, so these new technologies, we can think about them. We can imagine all the things that might go wrong. It's very easy to imagine things going wrong. Harder to imagine how they go right. But the way in which we can actually steer them is to use them. So these new technologies are going to be steered through use, how they're actually using. And that's the thing that's been really remarkable is these tools have abilities to do stuff that the inventors had no idea they were capable of. Mm. Mm. They didn't know they could do these. Yeah. They, so we don't know until we actually use them what they're good for and bad for. And it's through that use that we get to steer them if you ban them or prohibit them or outlaw them, you don't get to steer. 
fast. So, so if you if you care about where this goes, you have to start using it. And what is what are some? Um, again, I'm I'm. It, my request is that you just in an attempt to steer our audience to save them yeah. and also motivate their connection to these new tools. If you were to lay some groundwork right now and say, all right, for example, I'm saying you all listeners out there contribute to this process, play a role that will help steer it. Where would you suggest that they start? Is it with chat GPT or there's some other, like where, where would you start mm -hmm. play? Well, I mean, it's, they're going to become unavoidable. I just, just today, you can sign up for the new Google one called Bard on the waiting list. So it'll be in Google uh, momentarily. Um, Bing has a version. Chat GBT has free versions and paid versions. Um, uh, and and there, there are others. You.com you is doing um, is an alternative search engine that's doing very innovative work. Um, so, yeah. Um, Go to chat GBT and get the version and just, you know, if you haven't done any of it, try um, asking questions. I mean, literally asking it to do some search things or any other assignment that you might have. And, and um, there are now prompt books. Usually they're free PDF prompt books that will give you advice about um, how to prompt better. As you said, prompting is the new art. You're kind of like a conductor or director. You're, you have all these interns that you're working with and you're kind of directing their work as in a managerial sense of, um, of trying to produce something. Um, and in the image generators, you know, um, there's Dolly and um, Stable Diffusion, both of which are very good. I tend to go to Discord for the mid-journey. So, so mid-journey has a Discord interface, which is very bewildering at first. It seemed to me kind of like the dumbest thing I could imagine, but it turned out to be the most brilliant thing. And the reason why it's brilliant is because you are joining a stream where everybody is doing this prompting in public. And you get to see how other people are doing it. And the learning curve of the game is just vertical. You're just learning so fast. And even now, when I go, I'm looking at what other people are doing and the prompts they're using and the results that they get. And that it, it, it just, it's so, so accelerates my ability to work because you're seeing hundreds of other people working live right before you. And so, um, so I would actually suggest you start with Midjourney if you have images. It does both. It's biased a little bit to the painterly rather than the photographically. Yeah. Um, but um, you can... You know, it can do photo images if you ask it to. And um, uh, look at what people are doing and just um, get some ideas and um, play around with, um, with that. And uh, you, there have, I think they have free versions. So I, I'm at this point paying for a lot of my AI um, just to speed it up. And there are limits on how many you can get for free. But um, I would start with Midjourney for the imaging and uh, and then with um, ChatGPT free version to see what the chat is, but I just did the the, the, the search engines are just going to have versions. You're going to be everywhere. Everywhere, you're going to be inescapable. That is a great prompt, a great 
the starter kit there. Um, and I've also confessed in uh, previous shows uh, that a lot of the work that we do behind the scenes on the admin work for this particular show is AI-based. For example, show notes and summaries and bullet points, even some thumbnails using right. the, the image software um, have been really successful. So it's, you know, as someone who prides themselves on um, staying up to speed on technology that interests me, this has been a fascinating, yeah, I knew, well, it's one of the reasons I wanted to start our conversation there because you are such a guide and have been for decades. So thank you. Uh, and folks out there are listening. This is a real good opportunity to hear where to get started from uh, the person who has been so, so helpful, not just through Wired Magazine, but through your own writing, which is where I would like to turn our attention. Now, since it's been seven years, I'm going to pretend that we've got a bunch of new listeners that over the last seven years, <laughs> their episode and I believe that most of them are probably familiar with the concept of a thousand true fans, but yeah. remiss for us to not revisit it. I'm guessing this is like me asking you to play your hit song. You're Led Zeppelin, like let the play stairway in that heaven. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Or Joni Mitchell. Uh, yeah, but we we got to do it. And for so, both sides now. Um, um, yes. So 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 just briefly, uh, what the thousand true fans idea is is that um if you have direct contact with your audience with your fans um using the new tools of the internet and all that kind of stuff um you don't need as many of those as you did in the past you don't have to have a million uh fans customers to be successful um if you have direct contact with them um and you could produce something for your truest fans, and those truest fans are fans that would buy anything you produced, whether it's a soft cover, hard cover, box set, or singles, albums, go travel 200 miles to see you play, whatever. If you could get $100 a year from them, then you had a thousand of them, you'd have $100,000 a year, which is a livelihood, not a fortune. So you can make a living, not a fortune. And so um, that's the basic premise is, is that. With these new technologies and interacting with fans directly, you have a much more achievable goal of getting a, a sustainable lifestyle living. And um, Kickstarter, which and Patreon came along after I, I first proposed this and were the, exactly the kind of tools that you would use, among others, to try and do this. And so, um, and if you're kind of, if you're, a, duo then you need twice as many and if you have a if you're a band you need you need more or you can get more a year from them or if you're going to get fifty dollars from each one then you have to have two thousand so so it's it's the rough order of magnitude it's saying you don't need a million it's saying that you can find this and and the corollary just to complete this little intro is that if the thing that you're interested in is a niche thing that only one in a million people possibly be interested that's still good news because given the billions of people on the planet that means that there's a thousand of them who are going to be interested in what you're doing and who could be your true fan i mean really interested. and so the, the 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 problem right now or the challenge right now i should say is making that match up is to find those thousands and have them find you and we don't really have the best tools for that yeah, we have tools in which 
kind of work with the economics and all that kind of stuff, but we don't really have that matching function. And that's the set of tools that we should be working on is uh, allowing everybody to find their thousand true fans. Uh, absolutely seminal piece. It's like the Bible for, uh, if you're listening to this show right now, this is very much a North star in what became, you know, popular culture. This is the world that we are living in now where, you know, the relationship that you have with people on the internet can not only sustain you, can take you out of one sort of vector in life and put you onto an entirely different passion-based one as opposed to the one that your career counselor, your grandparents, your parents <laughs> wanted for you, which dominated so much of the landscape before. Sure. So there's this, this, in a sense, a very powerful unlocking. It's definitely one of the, one of the most um, cited, I think, core principles of the new creator economy. Sure. Now, and, and, there's, and there's no book on it, or at least I've read, there's only the original and, and the essay, which is for free on the internet, which you can find and read. KK.org, right? That's yeah, exactly. It's, uh, Kevin Kelly. And, um, you know, so I have a book of advice, excellent uh, yes. advice for living. And there I have some other related advice besides this idea of looking for thousand true fans for you, say, young people or people starting off. And I would say one of them is, um, if at all possible, try and work in areas where there's no word for what it is that you're doing. Where it takes some time to kind of explain to your mother what it is that you're doing. That's a really good sign that you're at the frontier where you're ahead of language, where the breakthroughs are going to be happening, and where you won't have any competition. And um, if you were doing this 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you'd say, oh, you know, I'm. It's kind, of, it's kind of like radio, but not really radio. It's kind of like a documentary that's audio. It's kind of like a interview thing, but it's not that. It's podcasting, right? And so um, you want to be there where, where, where the, the edge is erupting, if, if at all possible. And it will be uh, difficult because you can't explain it. And the purpose of, of this is, is another piece of advice on the book, which is don't aim to be the best. Be the only. All right? That's, but that's a high bar. Very, very high bar. But that's where you want to be aiming for. And it, for most of us, it will take almost all our lives. And it will be a journey on that, in that direction rather than something that we arrive at. And that means that if you look at most anybody remarkable, their life, anybody really great, their life of where they are was a meandering, switched back, left turns, detours, setbacks, turnarounds, completely um, crooked path to where they are. And where they are I mean, has no resemblance to where they're starting. So that's something I say. Don't. Don't care about where you start because that's not, that's not your destiny, your destination. And so um, we want to start by mastering something, becoming really, really world-class at something, and it hardly even matters. It's not about your passion. It's just about really becoming good enough that you can start on that path. And um, the other thing I would say for 20-year-olds is, if at all possible, 
um, spend a year doing something that looks nothing like success. That it looks that it looks crazy, ridiculous, bizarre, um, dangerous, uh, weird, waste of time, um, uh, you know, crazy, demented, unprofitable, all those kinds of things. And that experience will become the touchstone for you later on, the touchstone of your success. That so you want to be as unsuccessful as possible for at least a year <laughs> yeah that's one of the reasons i love you this is the and this your book again congratulations again excellent advice for living um which is now now, now what we're talking about the those i would say sort of the cornerstones that you just shared with us these are this this would be characterized as uncommon at best uh but the what have, as always stricken strike stricken stricken <laughs> made an impression on me the most is that we celebrate say this particular set of attributes or characteristics of a human in the world and we can deconstruct their lives and the patterns that got them to where they are and yet our parents and our grandparents and our career counselors they try and send us on this path over here which we can't we do not cite as uh impactful or thoughtful or heartfelt or it, it it's it, they're different paths and we insist on revering the end goal here but we do not over here and yet this is the path where we send our children and our children's children so your book um well your career in many ways but your book is, is largely about no no let's actually send them down the path where we can look at a life well lived of highs, lows, ups, downs, like the actual journeys that you can go on to, to have a rich and fulfilling, I think is, which is very important, not just to, to differentiate it by the way from success, like that is a, a rich human life. And so first of all, thank you for having the courage as a parent and now grandparent, right. like you're, you're basically sending your, uh, your offspring or the messages that you're sending to them are freaking go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go for it. And, um, you know, what I keep saying is um, keep, uh, try to keep making new mistakes. Right. Mm. But because if you're not making mistakes, really not, you're just coasting. And so um, the, the way to make really great things is you have to redo them and redo them and redo them. This is something I really, really wished I knew when I was younger. Mm. It's this idea of, the value of prototyping your life rather than making grand plans of like trying to make something perfect the first time. It, you know, when I was young, the idea of making something to completion and then like throwing it away and doing it again to improve it, it was like, I, I don't know, it was just so hard to do that because making it was such a big thing. The fact that, no, no, I'm going to make one to throw away, which is what the professionals do. That, so the professionals, that's what they're, the professionals are the ones that, it aren't the ones that don't make another one. They're, they're the ones that, that get there by making them again, by redoing it. So this redoing it is part of this process. And to to do that, you have to kind of generate a, a generous spirit. You, you have to say, I'm just going to be making this all the time. I'm going to be making it every day. I'm going to be going this because there's more where that comes from. In, in order to get something great, you have to have a lot of bad stuff. You have to have a lot of mediocre things. 
and you have to kind of like keep keep going back to the well and you have to kind of believe and have confidence that you can kind of keep generating so that 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 practice of like just doing it again and again helps you have the confidence that okay i can throw that one away because there's another one behind it tomorrow and i'm going to do another one and that uh that sense of like redoing things and writing a lot of bad drafts that you're going to throw away and doing a lot of versions of, of photographs that nobody will ever see in order to get to the really great one, that kind of confidence comes from just understanding that you just have to keep doing it and redoing it. So wise. Two vectors I want to explore now. One is this advice historically, the way I have documented really? And shared and shared this with the community. My experience with mirrored this, and as so many do, where the people in our lives who are telling us to take the seemingly safe path, um, they do this out of love. And as you said, if you are experiencing not being able to tell your parents or your grandparents or your peers or whatever what it is you're interested in, right. like, that is actually a good sign as opposed to the opposite. So. When right now there's someone who's either listening to their parents, their career counselor, whatever, give them this, what I would call shitty advice, or they are parents giving shitty advice to their parents or to their kids. Yeah. And it is exactly the opposite of what you're telling them to do. How I'm pretend that you have a parent or, or that you are speaking to a, one of those career counselors yeah, yeah. and, and tell them why. If you truly love them, that this is actually that the Kevin Kelly way is actually the right way. Yeah. So, um, does I have have about sixty seconds to to answer this, and I have to kind of jump. Understood. Understood. Um, I, I would say, um, if you don't believe me, just ask any person that has been successful about their path to how they got here, and the the necessity of kind of defining success in your own terms to arrive there. Otherwise, you're just kind of imitating other people's idea of success. And that's a very crowded. That's crowded. It's just that it's easier to do it this way. It's easier to have your own version because you've got no competition. You're a category of one. So um, talk to somebody who has succeeded, and they will admit that that's sort of the path. This is the way. This is the to the Mandalore. This is the way. I would, like to, way. I would like to wrap up our conversation by reading the intro paragraph to your new book, Excellent Advice for Living. On my 68th birthday, I decided to give my young adult children some advice. I am not a frequent advice giver, but soon I was able to write down 68 bits. To my surprise, I had more to say than I thought. So for the next several years, I wrote down a batch of advice on my birthday and shared it with my family and friends. They wanted more. I kept going until I had some 450 bits of advice I wish I knew when I was younger. And that is an absolute piece of genius congratulations on the new book excellent advice for living thank you so much for being a guest on the show kevin you're always welcome here if you've got new things to share and the fact that you make work every day means i'm sure we'll see you again pretty soon yeah it's, it's been too long we should do it again uh our conversation too short but thanks for the great questions and conversation. Oh. I, I really respect and admire what you're doing as well so thank you Thank you very much for being on the show. And to everybody out there in the universe, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, from Kevin and me, we bid you adieu. 
All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. <music>